0: Hi, and welcome to episode six of the Dancing at the Crossroads podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ferguson, and today we'll hear from two artists whose love of Irish music was nurtured in two very different ways. In the first half of the program, we'll hear from Jimmy Gallagher, a Glaswegian who was weaned on traditional music by his Irish-born parents, rebelled by playing bluegrass, turned then to Irish folk music, and is of late reconsidering his traditional roots.
1: I like all forms of Irish music but probably my first love would be the one that I rebelled against when I was growing up in Scotland and that would be the trad music. I do love trad music. I don't play it well, I, at one point in time I wasn't too bad at it but I, I sort of got away from it. I haven't really played it in 30 odd years.
0: In the second half we'll hear from Kelly Rock, a fourth generation Irish American from Long Island, New York. She's the lead singer for Hellcat Maggie, a band we introduced you to a few episodes ago when we highlighted the Irish Rockaways.
2: I'm more, I, I was always an avid listener of Irish music, the traditional music, and Scottish music and all sorts of Celtic, but not in that kind of style because me personally, I'm always, I've always been a rock and roll musician from the beginning.
0: Let's start with Jimmy Gallagher. Jimmy is a musical journeyman. For the past 40 years or so, he's been one of Irish America's most reliable and prolific entertainers. He's not as well-known as some of the musicians he shared stages with, like the Chieftains or the Dubliners, but he's been one of the most requested musicians around, playing thousands of gigs in hundreds of venues with scores of different musicians. When I met him outside of the old Furlong's pub in East Durham, I instantly recognized him. His face, framed with its dark, bushy eyebrows and matching mustache, is unmistakable. I'd seen him a million times before I knew, though I'd be hard pressed to tell you exactly where or when. For this journeyman, the journey began about 10 miles outside Glasgow, Scotland.
1: And my connection with music was basically through my father, who played music. He was a coal miner, but he played music as well, just in the house and for parties and stuff like that. He played accordion, played the fiddle, he played the mandolin. It's like uh something that was ingrained into me as a child. I was brought up with the Irish music from being very young. My mother was a a very good singer. She never sang professionally or anything like that. But we would have parties back in Scotland where all the family would get together and everybody had to do a party piece. So whether it be a recitation, a song, or you play an instrument, whatever the case may be, you dance. Uh, Everybody had their thing to do. and. So, I I guess it it comes from a very early age and it was basically ingrained into me. And so, I was the only one in the family. I come from a family of four, but I was the only one that took up music. And so, I learned to play banjo, mandolin, and uh, I played in several bands when I was younger, going to school. played in the band uh, called Contraband. We went to Eindhoven in Holland for a folk festival where we got to play in the same line as uh, the Dubliners and the Chieftains. My father, God rest him, he belonged to this Comaltus Kulturi Nairn in Glasgow. And so we would go in there, I think they, they, they had uh, get-togethers like, once every few weeks and we would go in and everybody would be sitting round the room in like a a circle and they all had their instruments and uh, everybody would get a chance to to do their thing and so I remember the first time that I went in there I didn't realise at that point in time most of the musicians were all from Donegal you know and uh, so I started to play a couple of Kerry, Kerry slides or something like that. And, and normally what happens is, is I would play it through once on my own and then everybody else would join in. Well, very few joined in whenever I, it got to the point where they were supposed to come in. And the reason being was they were from Donegal and that's the type of music that they wanted to play. They didn't want to play Kerry music. They didn't want to play music from Sligo or whatever else. And, and that's where my father, God bless him, he was from Sligo. and uh, But they were very, very clannish, great people. And actually, at some point in time, we had to have been from uh, from Donegal, because it's a Donegal name, my last name, Gallagher. And, uh, but they, they must have moved to Sligo when my father, or before my father was born, I guess. And my mother was from Tyrone, and uh, so. I guess it's a case that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when it comes to music.
0: Though sometimes the apple gets kicked a little further. I, I sort of rebelled against the
1: Irish music that my father had taught, and uh, I started playing bluegrass music. And I played in a, a band in Scotland that we played uh, bluegrass. I played mandolin and a five-string banjo this time, not the tenor banjo. And we uh, played in a few bands, and then I finally came to America in 78. I came here when I was 25, because at that point in time, in Britain and in Scotland, uh, the trade unions, which I think are fantastic, they were crippling the country, and, and it got to such an extent that there would be strikes every other day, and it would be a nationwide strike. 14 percent inflation rate is well above most other european countries and for many Britons, it means a real cut in living standards mr evans said we,
0: we cooperated in time of a crisis aren't we are we still in a crisis But it can me? only keep
1: inflation down at the cost of unemployment if it does not have help from the trade unions in responsible collective bargaining no. now just, I just See, i've got to get out of here. It's, 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 uh, the the whole situation is too volatile. There is no consistency, you know, and uh, so
0: I decided it was coming to America. In some ways, Jimmy Gallagher seemed destined to come to America, where his mother once lived before he was born. She loved America, and she
1: always I, like when we were growing up instilled into us, you know, the, this love of America. I had family out here. My I had two sisters and a brother, and they all moved to the States before me. There's quite a, uh, an age difference between myself and my oldest sister. So basically when she left Scotland, I was five years old. And when my other sister left Scotland, I was probably about seven years old or maybe eight. And when my brother left Scotland, I was 10. So I didn't really know them as much as like growing up, you know, but I, I, it seemed to be a natural progression that I would uh, go to America. And uh,
0: I met up with a fellow in the Bronx by the name of uh, Joe Burke. Joe Banjo Burke from County Kilkenny, Ireland, had already made a huge name for himself as a traditional Irish musician and ballad singer.
1: At
2: the
0: Glockamore pub in Manhattan, Jimmy paired up with Banjo Burke and Andy McGann, the legendary fiddler. Uh,
1: I was playing mandolin, and he brought his banjo in, and uh, he asked me, did I play guitar? I said, no, I don't. He said, okay. So we had made arrangements we were gonna meet the following week. So we met the following week, and he brought me in a guitar. He said, here, learn this. He said, we'll do some gigs together. So I picked it up, uh, started playing that. We ended up, we played in uh, a bar down in Manhattan, called the Glockamora. So I played along with uh, Banjo Burke and Andy McGann, and uh, we played there for two years. We made some fantastic times. Oh my God, the city was jumping. So then I, I basically got out of the trad scene because there was, there was no money in it. You know, so I, I got into the more of the mainstream Irish, you know, like uh, the show bands type I'm stuff. Uh, I met up with this uh, fella from Blarney County Cork, awesome voice, the guy was great. Frank O'Brien, God rest him, passed away four years ago. Uh, he didn't play anything, he did hold the guitar, but he, he, he just sang, his voice was his instrument. And he was an awesome singer. And uh, so we, we had a band called the Irish Dragoons. We played together for, I think it was about 14 or 15 years.
0: As As we mentioned earlier, Jimmy Gallagher has played with many musicians. Over the years, of course, he's collected his share of stories, like the time he and his fellow Scotsmen were flying to Holland. Uh, We had a great time over there for a weekend. There was a
1: whole contingent of Scottish musicians. Uh, (laughs) Actually, it was quite funny because we, we all flew on the same flight. It was absolute pandemonium. The drinking, I mean, if you could have put off the plane, <laughs> they would have put you off the plane <laughs> at 50,000 feet or whatever it was. But it was it was a great, what a great weekend. Uh, we actually saw a bit of an altercation with the Dubliners. We, we played in this huge, it was like an auditorium. Uh, I'm really not sure what it was, but there was a lot of steps up there. And uh, I think the Dubliners had... A, one or two drinks in them and they were coming down the stairs, arguing back and forth with one another, and there's a couple of punches, get let loose.
0: <laughs> but uh yeah quite a time. Or the time he was asked to play with Mickey Carton, a famed accordionist who played on the Ed Sullivan Show, and who eventually had a street named after him in Irish town in Rockaway Beach.
1: Shit come up and asked me, she said, Would you ever get up and play with this fella? he's he plays accordion, he said, but he needs a guitar player. And I said, well, what's his name? And he says, uh, and she said, uh, Mickey Carton. Now, I'd always seen his picture in the Irish Echo and the voice and whatever else. and But little did I know that it was his high school photograph. He had to be in his 80s. <laughs> whenever you whenever came out, she introduced me to him. But it was a good day. Good day.
0: In the mid-1980s, Jimmy made his first trip to the Caskills to open Furlong's pub. Now I'd never been to the Caskills, I'd heard about them, and uh,
1: so I, I said, okay, well, we'll go up. And So myself and my partner Frank O'Brien, the Irish Dragoons, we come up and we fell in love with the place. It was like being back in Ireland, it really was. Uh, I, and I had the good fortune to drive up during the day, and it was a good good sunny day like today and uh, I just thought it was awesome. It really was and uh, we, we'd get into Mullins's like early in the afternoon and uh, we, we we took a, r- a ride around and just incredible scenery. It was amazing and, and it's aptly named the Irish Alps. It definitely is and uh, I, I mean I fell in love with it then and any time I could get a chance to come back and play I Jumped at it. And that was a band that opened for Longs in 1988, was it, I said, or 85. And uh, it was basically like a, it was just a two piece basically. But like, I would do the harmony work and he'd do the, the melody. And we had amazing times. We played all over East Orm. We played in Mullins. It was still Mullins at that point in time. I remember one night, the place was jam packed. I don't know, if was some family reunion, but uh, they got a conga line going. This was about four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> Thank God it was four o'clock in the morning and not 10 o'clock at night, because they come up on the stage and round the back where all our, our equipment was. <coughs> well, they made short work of the mics and the wires and everything else. We, we had to call it a day at that point because there was too many broken wires. <laughs> Him and I parted company. Uh, He had other projects that he he wanted to take up. Uh, I ended up going with this other crowd. Two guys, uh, Chris Kelly and Sean Fahey. Chris was a guitar player singer, and Sean was an accordion player. And I played mandolin, and uh, also played guitar at that point as well. And uh, we were called the Fox Hunters. and We played New Jersey, a lot in New Jersey, because Sean was from New Jersey. And uh, we played quite a bit in the Catskills. We played in Verlongs, of course. Uh, I think we played in the Blackthorn, I'm not 100% sure on that. Then, after we parted company, I got in with a fellow that Arthur Dynes, but he was another guy that was an awesome singer. With him, we had another fellow, Nick O'Brien. He played guitar and he sang as well. And I don't think we had an actual name to the band, but we, we played all over. We, we, uh, so we played in Ernst Melody quite a bit. Actually, Arthur and the owner of Ernst Melody, uh, they were bus drivers together. They worked with the, the transit system down the city. So uh, we played in there. And actually, I was the last person to play in Ernst Melody whatever he sold. Seems to be a pattern emerging here Uh, because I was the last person to play in furlongs
0: too before they closed. In 2001, with their children Martin and Patty Ann now grown, Jimmy and his wife Bonnie moved from New York City to live in the Catskills full time. Sadly, Bonnie passed away in 2010 and now Jimmy splits his time between the Catskills and Florida.
1: So I go down there in January, I'll go down and I'll be playing down there With a a very good accordion player by the name of uh, Michael Rourke, Uh, he's from Long Island, but he lives in Florida now. And uh, so I'll be down there for a couple of months, uh, get away from the cold, doing my snowboard thing. I never thought I
0: would do that, but I'm doing it. So, and he's begun taking a serious look at the music that got him started so long ago. So it's going to something that
1: I'm actually working on getting back into. my girlfriend uh, bought me a bowron for Christmas last year, and I'm fascinated by the bowron. So I'm, uh, I'm practicing the way on that, seeing what I can do. You know, uh, But that would be, for all intent and purposes, traditional music would be in my heart more so than the other stuff. And the other stuff I like, I like it a lot, but definitely my first love would be that.
0: Before we begin the second half of the Dancing at the Crossroads podcast, we should give a few programming notes. Jimmy Gallagher was interviewed at the DeWitt Oak Hill Hotel in Oak Hill, New York, and we thanked them for accommodating us. Monica Egan Ferguson played the Snowy Breasted Pearl on piano accordion. The all Stars Senior Kaylee Band performed at the Glasgow Fesh in 2012. News reports on the economic winter of discontent in the UK were provided by the Associated Press and Thames TV. Joe Banjo-Burke performed The Foggy Dew and Joe Hill at the Glockamora Pub. And that was from a recording produced by West Eau Claire Productions and Guaranteed Irish for Bridget Burke. Arthur Dines sang Green Glens of Antrim from the LP Live from the Emerald Isle in the Caskills, These Are Our Mountains. Up the Kingdom was performed by Michael Rourke and Jimmy Gallagher. My Emigrant Irish Boy was performed by Mickey Carton. And Jimmy Gallagher and Rob Handel performed at the Blackthorne Resort. Welcome back to the Dancing at the Crossroads podcast. I'm your host Kevin Ferguson, and I want to introduce you, or rather reintroduce you, to Kelly Rock and the Celtic rock band Hellcat Maggie, fabulously named after the member of the New York's Five Points Dead Rabbit Gang whose fame was resurrected by The Gangs of New York. We heard briefly from Kelly and Hellcat Maggie in episode 3, The Irish Rockaways, but today I'd like to explore the band a little further. We'll talk with Kelly again and with the band's founder and drummer, Scott Baldwin. Hellcat Maggie, whose seven members span two generations, is only three years old. It spent a few years, as bands do, finding itself, adding members, adding instruments, adding sounds. Kelly Rock, who is a classically trained singer and the mother of grown children, sat down with me recently at the Bard and Baker Cafe in Troy, New York. Sporting long red hair, a sizable tattoo on her right arm, and a peaceful look that belies the band's namesake, Kelly told me about her Irish roots on Long Island.
2: Uh, my music background started, uh, I suppose, when I was in high school. Um, I've always been a singer, uh, classically trained, was always on the rock and roll side. Ever since I found out about Led Zeppelin, rock and roll all the way. And I started playing guitar about 25 years ago, just as a hobby, and I always sang. So um, I decided, hey, uh, I'm going to play some guitar. And uh, that'd be kind of nice to be able to accompany myself and sing at the same time. Well, I subsequently got married, had children, and all the music kind of went on hold. Because every time I brought out that guitar, the child would stop the strings in mid-strum. The guitar went away <laughs> for a while. Uh, that being said, I picked it up not too long ago, I guess about another 12 years ago, starting to play a lot more and trying to get better at that. And really just mostly playing rock and pop rock and stuff like that was easy to sing. The reason that I was gravitating towards the Irish genre is I'm a Roman Catholic. I've been brought up in a, a an Irish family for decades. I've had policemen and firemen in my family, and it was always there. It wasn't stressed a lot, the traditional Irish music, but the Irish culture was always there, uh, my, my grandmother big time. And so uh, I've always enjoyed the Irish music and the traditional music. And the reason why I, got, I was attracted to this particular th- uh, outfit that we're in now is, should I tell him?
0: And that's where Kelly's music career takes a turn.
2: This band was built on Craigslist. And I answered an ad that Scott put out, and he said, hey, I want to put together this band, and it's it's about pub rock. And I was intrigued. I had no idea that there was even anything that was close to that because I was in my rock and roll frame of mind. And he sent me some songs, and I had no idea how fun that could be. The likes of Floggy Molly, Dropkick Murphy's, the real Mackenzies, this kind of traditional stuff that was brought into the modern world and rocked big time. And I was hooked ever since then. The the first person to answer the ad would have been Kelly. Uh, She answered for the acoustic guitar part, but uh, she wanted to, well, we needed a singer, and she was willing to give it a shot at first. And I was impressed with her abilities, so I didn't see any reason to apply for another vocalist. That's drummer
0: and founding member Scotty B. After Kelly, Scotty B. looked to add eclectic but complementary sounds. After a few fits and starts, the band grew to include Mike Kerr on bagpipes and banjo, Connor Armbruster on fiddle and vocals, Brendan O'Donovan on mandolin, tin whistle and vocals, Mike Green on electric guitars, Mark Johnson on bass, and of course, Scotty B. on drums, and Kelly on lead vocals and guitar.
2: There are seven musicians in the band, which really brings it to this whole other level because we all have different influences that bring us together and to form this unit that's very different from everything else that's out there. The thing that really drives the music, I would say, is the instrumentation of having bagpipes, the Highland bagpipes, along with the fiddle, and we also have the Irish uh, tin whistle or penny whistle that really brings it all together by really focusing on the instrumentation of those specific instruments and then bringing the rest of the band the rock and roll influence which brings it that to that level of it's different and it's fun and it's got a lot of energy not that Irish music doesn't have energy to begin with because it certainly does But just taking a piece of it and then molding it into something that's bigger than it ever could be.
0: me, Going Home stands out among the 8-tracks in Hellcat Maggie's debut album, Scratching the Surface.
2: Mike Green, our guitarist, wrote the music, and I found the melody and I wrote the the lyrics with that longing that was already built inside that melody, which was kind of cool. It was almost easy. It was. It was basically. I just wanted to say that I wanted to kind of go back and see if I could possibly go back and understand and live and live in that culture again. And I think it would be kind of cool because I, you know, I've been here so long. Generations have been here so long. It's we've never even left New York. You know, we've always just we've been in New York the whole time. We've gone as far as Long Island. Uh, me, personally, I'm the one that went the furthest, and that's only upstate. <laughs> it's not that far. Some, although some of our relatives think it's on the moon, but it's not that far. Um, but uh, that's where the basically the idea of go- going home came from.
0: Even overplayed songs like Whiskey in the Jar, which I had hoped I would never hear again, sound surprisingly new when Hellcat Maggie plays them. <laughs> ¶¶
2: When we're, when we're composing, it, that takes the most time to do because we're putting everything that we have into it and we want that product, that end product, to be representative of us. And it's quite a quality control thing that's going on because there's a lot of us, there's a lot of pecking going on saying, hey, maybe we should do it that way or this way or that way. And it's really just about taking the time and, and, and really getting it out. Uh, the reason why we did add those couple of things in there, the trad songs and the covers, is because we wanted something out there. And it's so much easier to promote and get a f- people to listen to going home and even Hellcat Maggie and then say, yeah, well, we have these things. But we, we had to come up with a, an arrangement of, or array of songs in order to come out with a CD to have, some, have something viable out there on the market. So we can have, say, hey, we got this. And to, you know, have some merchandise at if, when we play festivals. And, hell, you don't have a CD? We, we had so many people asking us for CDs for three years. And we finally came out with one. So uh, that was, there was a kind of a push to do that. And not an, not a lot of time to write our own stuff at the same time. When we're saying we're scratching the surface, we're literally scratching the surface because we're still finding our sound. You're trying to get that, perfect mix of what we all contribute we're really still trying to find exactly what we're capable of and i don't think we've even scratched the surface yet
0: leave you today with hellcat maggie the band's original eponymous tune but before we do just a few more programming notes i want to thank the bard and baker cafe in troy new york for allowing us to record there in addition to the two original tunes, Hellcat Maggie and Going Home, we heard a new arrangement of Whiskey in the Jar, The White Set, and Coppermill Jigs. Three jigs compiled by Bruce Gandy. Gandy, originally from British Columbia, is one of the world's top Highland pipers, a prolific composer, and at one time was the piping coach of Hellcat Maggie's Mike Kerr. The jigs include Coppermill Jigs, Lady Dorothy Stewart's Wedding March, and Danny Big Alec MacDonald. The White Set, which includes two traditional tunes, Brian O'Lynn and The Hag of the Churn, was arranged by founding member Tom White from Middleburg, New York. That's it for this podcast. Thanks for joining us.
2: Another flight into the night, she'd win the day once more. The broken bloodied heaps, and then we'd count the final score. And in a jar behind the bar, their ears were a trophy. She'd sit right down and order around and drink her Irish whiskey. man. Mm-hmm. Be sure and bring